podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, have you heard the news? We have set up a brand new listener league over on DraftKings. DraftKings.co.uk forward slash The Nat Coombe Show. That's how you find us. Get involved. Go head to head against me, Propo, James Sandrini. You'll definitely kick my ass every week. Lots of prizes to be won, including ticket giveaway for one of the big games in London this autumn. You've got to be in it to win it. If you want to win tickets to one of the big games in London, you've got to be in our listener show league. More details to follow. Head on over draftkings.co.uk forward slash the Nat Coombe show or find the link in the show bio. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org Welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Well, 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 as OC would say. All right, Mike back in the house, and he is on fire this week, gang. I can tell you, it's a Mike Mailbag Mayhem special. Loads of questions firing in from all across our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok, and we will do our very best to get into as many of them as we can. So without further ado, let's get straight down to business and welcome back the big man. I am Mike. You know, it's summer gang when the sun is shining, the Lindy's and other annual <laughs> guides land and I and Mike is wearing his Hawaiian shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Love it. That's what I'm loving. <laughs> yeah, well, it's summer. It is summertime. Although these used to these used to go on sometimes into October. You know, if I could if I could really stretch it, uh, it should be year round. Quite frankly, Mike. well, the problem is it's hard to wear anything under or over them <laughs> that actually looks looks respectable. <laughs> I picked up my Lindy's uh, before I went on holiday down to Portugal and Did took it down, really? took it down with me. Yeah, uh, it's it. great that it's on the newsstand. You know, I really appreciate that. Loving that. Uh, loving the fact they still have. Have, uh, it's unreconstructed, I think, is the diplomatic term. Still picture the cheerleaders peppering the pages. Yeah, the, the, the quality of not of the cheerleaders necessarily, but the reproduction quality, the paper quality is going downhill. Yeah. And they don't mention names anymore, which leads me to suspect there must have been some stalkers running around um, ch- chasing them up. But yeah, the thing I miss in Lindy's is my article. But that that's of been course. a few. It's been a few years. It's been a few years now since uh, I did that. Carlson, that is absolutely vintage. Uh, all right, Bob. We've got a lot to get into because it is, of yeah. course. They never would run a picture of me with the cheerleaders, you know. Like, funny that. <laughs> funny that. You're not allowed within 10 yards. I think most of them, Mike, I think it's fair to say. Uh, it is yet again, by popular demand, a Mike's Mailbag Mayhem. So we've got a lot of... I mean, put it this way, Not just any Mike's Mailbag Mayhem. I had not just one, but a number of posties walking up to the house saddled. I mean, they could barely <laughs> lift the bags off the ground. They're overflowing <laughs> with questions for the big man. Uh, and some on Twitter as well. In fact, some on Twitter that you have managed uh, not to answer yet, which is showing real suitable restraint there, I'd like. So that's great work. Uh, so we've got a ton. Lots of you getting in touch across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok, at the NC show. So I appreciate all of you for getting in touch. And hopefully we'll do our best to get through as many of them as we can. Uh, so let's get into it in just a moment because... Breaking news in the last 24 hours of recording this pod, one of the big narratives of the summer so far is concluded. Or we kind of feel it. It's interesting to get Mike's take on what he feels this means for the 49ers. Debo signing a three-year contract 
extension, 73 and a half mil, 58 Gara. Always keep an eye on the Gara. And the crux of the argument leading to this point, either you look at it, Mike, that it's agents being agents, leveraging the situation for as much dollar as they can, or there was genuine validity in Debo's concern in terms of how he was going to be used. So if it's the latter, say you think the latter was the reason why it's taken so long to get the deal done. Do you think there's been some kind of compromise there? No, I don't I don't think so at all. Um, and I think there's a third factor or a second factor um, is that the, um, the mouth clown churn requires conflict um, and is better is better placed generally to report or, or to generate um, emotional contact, uh, gossip kind of contact, uh, personal conflict, you know, conflict kind of conflict than actually analyze football. Um, you know, anyone looking at the scheme they run and that they are going to run knows that Debo is going to run the ball. He's not going to be Cordero Patterson saying, mm-hmm. you know, constantly lining up in the backfield as Cordero is their best running back right now, as far as I can see. But but Debo's going to carry the ball a lot. And he said something yesterday or the day before about, you know, I, I'll do what the team wants, you know, and which is saying the right thing. But but, you know, that you have to generate controversy. Agents like like to do that, too. Um, but I, I didn't have any doubt that this deal was going to get done. It was mm. it was kind of like um, because, you know, DK Metcalf's Terry McLaughlin's, they, they were all done in the days before that. It was it was as if the tier two receivers were sort of being sorted out. And that's mm. that's the way these things work. First, first, the ones who can demand big money do you know and, mm. and and then get it and that sets the the base and i actually think they and got a pretty to, good deal. big thanks to christian kirk in that respect because uh yeah <laughs> yeah, pay. yeah. Christ, it, it christian kirk is is kind of an out an outlier in this whole thing although he's only um i, I did this yesterday i just looked up and he's only 17th on the rate rankings now but you know once you get your you, top three it's top four, actually. It, it boils down. Um, and I don't know where you want to draw the line, but it's Tyreek Hill and mm-hmm. Devontae Adams are up at the top. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, who's injured at the moment mm-hmm. or suspended at suspended. the moment, um, is, is just below them. Cup. New deal is just below them, but his goes on for a year longer than most people's de- uh, b- below him. And then AJ Brown's at twenty five, an average of twenty five million a year. Uh, digs it at uh, twenty four, and then DK and Debo come in at just yeah you know, twenty four or just under. Yeah, that and, stacks up really. I mean, if you were going to power rank, is as difficult as it yeah. is. Separate a number of those that that kind of feels about it, right. it, it feels about right. Yeah. And, you know, De- DeAndre and Adams are both 30 Hills, 28 cups, actually 29, which surprised me. You know, yeah. you think of them as being a younger player um, and Diggs is 29. And then A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and Debo were all 25 or 26. The guy in the top 10 who surprised me was D.J. Moore, who's 10th mm. in the league. And he's over 20 million. You know, and yeah. the 20 million group includes Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Amari Cooper, Chris Goodwin and Brandon Cooks. And there you start to see where, OK, you've paid these guys in advance and now it's not starting to look like such a bargain. I mean, mm. Allen and Williams are still effective. Allen's, I think, is slowing down. Goodwin's hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Cooks is what he is at this stage and kind of a one-trick pony. So Michael Thomas is at 19. Those guys, are, you know, you, you can start to wonder about these long-term contracts. And you said an interesting thing as well about guarantees. There are two kinds of guarantees in contracts. There's the, the amount that's fully guaranteed, 
at the signing of the contract. And then there's the amount that's guaranteed, the total amount that's guaranteed. And there's a difference usually in those. So, for example, in Debo's contract, $41 million was guaranteed mm. when he signed it. But the ultimate guarantee is 58 of his 73 and a half which will take place next year, you know, mm. if he, if the team then does what they have to do and if he's earned the bonuses, the rest of the guarantees kick in. But that's that's something, you know, I hear people online and it's, oh, you know, how can, you know, how can he settle for less than DK Metcalf? Well, mm. you know, the, the overall package is half a million less out of 72 million. That ain't a big percentage, you know. Right. Um, his guarantee is higher uh, than DK Metcalf. The average is slightly higher, you know, by like a, a, it, it's ego mm. and it's people trying to feed egos, you mm. know, of, of, of players. Now, I'm getting into this mode more and more because when I wrote about Zach Wilson, for two weeks. <laughs> Hang on, you wrote about him for two weeks? Well, in the FM, in my oh, FMT. Successive e columns, okay. Columns, successive columns, yeah. For two weeks about Zach. I because because I had his more to add, but but it was less mm. about Zach Williams and more about the quality of reporting and, and, and what we do. And and I went back to the, the Matt Sanchez, 17-year-old Connecticut quote unquote schoolgirl, you know, thing as to how that would Deadspin had reported that and, and Brett Favre uh, with his dick pics and how that had been reported, mm. you know. Um and and it's really it's starting to irritate me a lot. And you know, I couldn't resist covering myself, you know, using Zach, Zach Wilson myself because I had a good line and I wanted to get it out. <laughs> yeah, well, that, something's <laughs> never changed. Yeah. I, I hear you. And, and, and yeah, there is a an increase. Well, it's actually, is that your point? Because the examples you gave are what, 10 plus years ago. So do you think things are dumbing down yet further? Oh, and yeah. Yeah, because there's more competition. You know, it's like everybody get that first. You, you remember yeah. when we did America Carnage, and you know, and and we could cover lots of things. We could be relatively funny, and then everybody started doing podcasts. And you know, we mm. oh, could you guys come on our podcast? <laughs> we want to do what you're doing. You know, yeah. And then and then the next generation comes on and says, oh, you guys are great. Can you come on our podcast because we want to do what you're doing? You know, but, yeah. Um, do, you, do you feel that that is inevitably that is heightening the the dumbing down that social in particular the fact that everyone wants to get their colors nailed to the mask and look at me i'm a content creator i'm doing this and so they're just jumping on these sure. easy wins is that what it is or the flip side of that is as you just said and, and i appreciate we've worked together long enough to i've accepted you're at the diametric opposite of the of the dumbing down uh, side of things but you just said i covered it because i had a great line and what's wrong with that it's, a, it's the merit of the material the key, yeah not yeah. so much well, the subject yeah, Zach Zach Wilson was the first Jet quarterback to score over forty in years. Here we go. <laughs> Here we um, go. It's a good, but is that the point? That if even if the subject matter is a little bit flaky, given everything else you could be talking about, if you can pep in a zinger, if the material's good or if the tape's yeah, good, yeah. Is that, you is can that you can you can. And and the reality is that sex and conflict sell. You know, attract more clicks than than analysis of analysis of outside zone blocking. You know, or when a scheme sure. is switching from from that to that to another. Um, Particularly if you're shouting sex and conflict as well. That that's right. <laughs> shouting works. Shouting works better. It works better on TV. Shouters, yeah. you know, shouters get more attention. More attention impresses um, impresses executives. You know, and say, oh yeah, everybody like likes that. Um, and 
and also it's a, it's a question of you know you you see these you see the clickbait of top 10 something or other others you know the top 10 greatest quarterbacks ever you know and the list mm-hmm. won't have anybody who played before 2005 yeah. or 2000 <laughs> you know right. it, it's like how can you make how can you just use the word ever when mm-hmm. when you have no concept of whatever means <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. and of course as an old guy that's bound to bug me you know oh uh, hey look i am not quite as old uh, but still getting on a bit and uh, it bugs me as well hey listen mike just well, do other Speaking of old and bugs, there was oh, okay. a story. There was okay. a picture of of Yankee Stadium oh, in yeah. 1967, <laughs> yes, where they was. were where they were literally while the players were out on the field practicing, they were they were pouring tons of DDT on them. <laughs> to to what were they doing? They, they were, were getting rid of gnats. Getting rid of gnats. <laughs> getting rid of my crew. I like to think you know the the line in Batman where the, with the Christian Bale, so the Christopher Nolan uh, trilogy, where one of my favorite lines in all the movies when he says. It was someone says, what's that noise? I think it's one of the baddies. What's that noise? And Batman just back up and all the bats fly in. That's basically me at Yankee Stadium, but replace the bats with the gnats. <laughs> I will go. I, I'm going to be in the new uh, the new Avengers with <laughs> with my army of gnats. Natman? Are you going to be Natman? I'm Natman. Of course I'm going to be Natman. <laughs> just with an army of gnats that swarms. And I can, I can formate, use formations with them just by moving my hands like Doctor Strange <laughs> to get them to do what I want. Big, big bulging eyes with 37 lit lenses. You know? Is that my kind of Hulk thing that my, yeah, I start to, my eyes start to bulge? Hey, uh, so just a couple of things on what we were chatting about before we went that off. First of let's get to that mail. <laughs> just so two things quick take on Kirk because I was talking to proper about this on Edge Rush. And if back to, uh, maybe linking some of the points together, right? The easy hot take was what are the Jags doing? They've overpaid for Kirk, ridiculous deal, re- stupid front office, vilified left, right, and center. I and I'm not trying to be hipster contrarian, but. I like the deal. Obviously, the Jags are going to have to overpay for talent right now. The situation there, they're not a fashionable market. They're a struggling team. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, there's long-term potential, of course, with Trevor Lawrence and new sheriff in town, all of that. But to get a player like that, you're going to have to overpay in business, Mike. That's what happened. Well, right? yeah. Why would it be different for the NFL? Yeah, I, I, think you're, I think you're basically, that. that's a really good point. And we concentrate too much oftentimes on the price and not on the need or result. You know, if this is the guy you need and you have to overpay, it's probably worth it. Now, the question with the receiver, you know, is he the, is it the guy you need right. that much is, is a valid one. But like I said, he's only now the 17th highest paid receiver in the league. So that, you know, every team's got to have one, you know, or um, some have to have two. But but he is a great fit for what Jacksonville presumably is going to want to do. And like many Eagle teams and, and you know, Doug, Doug Peterson has learned from the story. They don't have an outstanding pair of outside receivers, assuming Kirk's going to play in the slot. He's their number one receiver, regardless of where they play him. Right. And he is versatile enough to, to be a threat from the side. And you think of Philadelphia teams and, you know, they love, they love to do the crossing routes. They love, you know, they love, they love to, to um, occasionally send that guy inside out, that, that kind of thing. So he's probably a very good fit for Jacksonville. And, yeah. you know, m- might have been the best guy they could have picked up at that price, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, given that some guys you're not going to get, you you were never going to get DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel or, mm-hmm. or Terry McLaurin away, away from their teams, you know, and Adams, you wouldn't want to spend what they spent for Adams or Hill. Um, mm-hmm. Cause Hill, you think about, 
what he'll adds. And, and he is that kind of player. And he is also Deshaun Jackson as well. You know, mm-hmm. he's got that combination. So, so that's a unique skill set that they probably just didn't want to pay for, um, mm-hmm. you know, but imagine him with Terran, Ter- uh, Trevor wow. Lawrence, you know, instead of Tua. Um, well, mind you, you'd see that for sure. But, and again, this is a, it's something I want to ask you, uh, get your take on the uh, obsession with little nuggets from, training camp and how we could overplay them. So bear that in mind when I, when I ask you this or mention this, that the tour to Tyreek connection so far is, is wowing observers, right? A lot well, of the writers are saying, you, yeah. you know, the deep arms there and, and they seem to be hooking yeah, up. That's great. But, you know, come back and talk to me after we start, we put pads on, you know, nobody's right. even worn pads yet. And, and literally seven on sevens, even 11 on, you know, they're skeleton drills. So you don't care about it. It's you like can't read anything into it. Well, I mean, if, if they're getting along, that's great. You know, it, it, I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> you know, like it, sure. it, Hill, Hill's bigging up to what, which I think is very smart because there's an awful lot of questions about him. There's been a yeah. lot of criticism of him. He's by no means like a, a, a set starter, even though he is the set starter in, in Miami, but everybody still has doubts. So I think it's a very, it's a very good thing for a new teammate to do, mm. you know, and it, yeah. Okay. They're on the, they're on the right page. Let's see if they can do it once, once it starts. Cause boy, do they have an opportunity to build a different kind of offense there with Mike, you know, with, with Mike McDaniel in charge. Um, and, Hill on paper, kind of like Peterson, you know, there's elements of that same kind of thing going on, you know, Hill, Hill in that offense is, is two players in one, you know, right. he's, he's the crossing route runner and he's also the deep, the deep threat, threat depending yeah. on how they want to use it. Yeah. 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 I cannot wait to see them. Uh, all right. Let's get to the mailbag. Mike's mailbag mayhem starts right now. Hey, we'll link it perfectly. Segway. Uh, first one from Chris with the Debo Samuel signing. Are the 49ers now a hot fave? So a lot of questions about the 49ers this season, most obviously with the unknown quantity that is that is Trey Lance. Can we really look at the 49ers as a serious Super Bowl contender if we don't know what we've got with Trey Lance? Well, remember, remember they were a Super Bowl contender last year. With, with Jimmy G and, and, you know, if, if uh, Jack Whiskey Tart doesn't drop Matt Stafford's horrible interception ball, mm. um, a, we don't talk about Matt Stafford as a potential hall of famer <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and B the 49ers probably are in the super bowl. Um, yeah against the Bengals and, and, you know, and have as probably as good a chance as the, as the Rams had uh, of beating them. Uh, how Lance does, is a real big question. I never doubted Debo would be back. So I, I haven't, you know, downgraded the 49ers in that sense. Their defense is in flex, but in flux, but it always seems to be, you know, they've lost a few players. Teams realize they develop defensive linemen really well. And so the, those kind of like, uh, rotational defensive linemen are mm-hmm. getting, you know, good contracts elsewhere, but they always seem to be bringing new, new players in. And, um, uh, I, I really think this this depends on Lance. That division is not a Rams walkover by any means. You know, I I don't think the Rams um, uh, have a have a lock on it, and I, I think that they they got not as much as the Bengals, but they did kind of like get lucky at the right times. Mm. Um, they're, they're going to be a tough, they're going to be a tough offensive team. Um, Made some good moves, the Rams as well. Yeah. They? They, they, they've done an amazing job, you know, given that they have no draft picks and no salary cap room. <laughs> and and they, keep, it, right? they keep manufacturing, manufacturing new players. So, you know, and, and 
it's easy to write off Seattle because of the quarterback situation. And not, it's in, not in this tough. It's not. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to write off or semi write off Arizona um, thinking that maybe 11 wins is, is their kind of uh, uh, peak. Well, with that, um, Mike, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins out. Yeah. Uh, PD suspension. So and Hollywood think- Brown, Hollywood Brown is not a replacement in my mind. Well, very you know. few are, right? I mean, he's such no, a I mean, he played with, player. yeah, he played with Kyler in college. And, you know, that, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the big thing. But that's and I'm also, I'm also kind of upset about the Kyler Murray, the whole Kyler Murray business. But oh, we've got a question about that. So you know, oh, let's okay. jump to that now. Hang on, let me let's find jump it. to so, that. Yeah, here we go. So this is from uh, AV Safety Guy. Uh, what does Mike think of the Kyler Murray independent study fiasco? So for, I'm sure most of our listeners will know uh, what Safety Guy is yep. referring to. But in case uh, you missed that story as part of the Kyler Murray re-upping, part of the deal, part of the contract was a mandatory four hours a week for Kyler to study <laughs> study game film. So I mean, all kinds of things. Study hall. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. fiasco is the word for it, basically. But the whole thing has been a fiasco. Um, my baseline on the Kyler Murray thing was he's got two more years on his contract. Mm-hmm. And he went on a hissy fit in the spring, you know, took them off his social media. Yeah. Oh, my heart, <laughs> you know, but but I Keen, just want to point out in all the years that you and I've worked together, Mike, I've never done that to you. I've always stayed. That's, you. that's true. Whatever you've thrown at me. That's true. You two faced. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and, um, you know, and they fell for it, basically. You know, they if it were me, if I were the GM, I would say, look, Kyler, you've gotten better each year. We've gotten better each year. We love you. You know, you're our quarterback. We still got things to work out and we think you need, you know, you've got things to work out. We promise after this season, the extension is there as long as we were on, on board. And then, you know, then you deal with it in his fifth year, like, like, like everybody else did. How, but, my, that's getting harder and harder, isn't it? For a it is. It, it is. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's no coincidence in my mind that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler have the same agent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like they're all in the same little rubber raft and, and floating, floating around in the ocean in Arizona, of which there is no ocean. Um, <laughs> Hot and and um, the um, and the, 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 the idea that they put that clause in the contract indicated to me that they did have a problem with Kyler's application, you know, and it, he, he had a quote. Yeah. In some interview, you know, where he said, you know, I don't time. need I don't need to do I don't need to do as much film study because I see things as they have. Oh, the guy's five, he's five foot nine. He doesn't see half of what's going on. It's just <laughs> literally it's literally his major problem in the NFL yeah. is that he yeah. can't see over his blockers. He's great on the breakdown, you know, but in standing, if you keep him in the pocket, you make his life much more difficult. And that's yeah. obvious to everybody. And it's it's the defensive strategy that teams use later in the year, especially to, to slow him down. And then for the team to back off again because he was offended by this, you know, I say just to me, it it seemed it seems like you're you're letting, you know, it it was not the right way necessarily to make the point. But given that you gave him the contract, you didn't have any other ways to to do it. You didn't have any you didn't have any leverage there. And he signed the contract knowing this and then complained about it to, to get out of it. Now, people are making the racial thing, you know, that. This because he's a black quarterback. Everybody say, "Oh, he's he's stupid." Or no one's saying Kyler Murray's stupid. What they're saying is, you, you can't apply yourself too much to the business of breaking down a defense and seeing what they do. And you know, the, I, I mentioned in, again in my column, but 
not even quarterbacks. To me, the greatest thing was in that NFL 100, top 100, when they had Ed Reed in. Mm. And Ed Reed talked about, if someone mentioned the time that he faked Peyton Manning out. Mm-hmm. And Chris Collins were said, oh, yeah, and you're, he was he was thrown to this. And Bill Belichick goes, no, it wasn't wasn't a co-route. It, you know, it was, it was a fly. You know, he had mm-hmm. he had the whole thing, the whole thing remembered. And Ed Reed mm-hmm. said, yeah, I saw in film that when Peyton pumps to the right twice, he goes left. Mm-hmm. So he played in the middle of the field. And when Peyton pumped right, he went right and then spun around and ran left. And he covered about 20 yards, but Peyton never see it because he's not mm. he's not watching for that. Now he's looking for his receiver on the left and, yeah. and read. This is the kind of stuff that takes hours and hours to be able to spot. Yeah. And it's it was a safety, not a quarterback who did this. It's um, a great so, example. And to spot it, you know, the heat of the moment is is so underestimated, right? That in that moment, he's seen that and he can react to it against one of the all time greats in terms yeah. of smarts. And, and, and Kyler's defense. I mean, one defense that someone, I think it was Bucky put up for him was, you know, mm. this guy went, you know, he won three Texas state championships or something, you know, and there's one at Oklahoma. Mm. I mean, that's, there's no comparison. You know, th- th- that has nothing to Different do with what, you, what yeah. you've done. Everybody won state championships before they get to the NFL, mm. except me. Um, and, and, <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I mean as well. But I didn't get to the NFL, so it didn't matter. Um, <laughs> so close, and, so close. and then Mont- Murray said, you know, well, I played baseball in and football in Oklahoma. And, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a lot of effort uh, and, you know, practice time and stuff to do that. And of course it does, you know, it's, and it's a, it, nowadays it's a remarkable feat, mm-hmm. but that's got nothing to do with how much film study you do. You know, what are you going to say? Oh, I, I had six hits in the slow pitch softball game in Scottsdale yesterday. So I couldn't study <laughs> yeah. film. Oh, great. You know, that's what, that's what we need. They're in, but you know, Mike, I mean, the I want to know, the- I want to know how much study time he did at Oklahoma being that he's an NCAA scholar athlete. What, was his, you know? what, was he, what did he major in? Hey, the, the, the very fact they had to put it in the contract obviously should there should be alarm bells, right? The fact they have to insert it into the contract in the same way that you, a typical employee contract, blah 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 blah, don't turn up for work drunk, you know, which is stating the <laughs> obvious for this role. Like it's a given yeah, that if you're it's paying, your job, yeah, it's, it's your job. Fundamental, right? It's yeah, fundamental. it's your job. It's like getting a bonus for going to practice. Mm. You know, this is yeah, this is yeah, your sure. this is your job. You know, but uh, he could well have the last laugh because there's been a lot of criticism <laughs> around him, right? And, there is, yeah. You know, and he, you I know, mean, and, and will he change and, up? Will he? I mean, in all seriousness, the fact that you've got to put insert a clause like that in the contract means he's not doing this. Is he going to be a situation now where he bucks everything he's been doing to get to this point? given we're in this age of player power, given the fact that, as you rightly said, they've done the deal now and they didn't have to, which lends itself to the fact that there is real leverage from the, from the player in this situation. Is he going to change? Is he going to suddenly become Brady-esque in his film study? I, I doubt it, but, you know, but it, it, in, in the, the counter argument is that the kind of player he is, um, he, he, he would say you know, that he doesn't need, need to be as as Brady-esque, but I think, I think what he because should Because be he's got more for, raw talent and because he can play with more instinct. Yeah, but, well, because he plays a, a different sort. And this is where the whole racial thing comes in because people are, are so fixated on the idea that, you know, 
a, a black quarterback is more mobile, mm-hmm. um, plays in breakdown. I mean, there's a lot of guys who play in breakdown. And and I wish, you know, I would wish people, people would just stop. Stephen A. Smith was reviewing, well, who was it? I want to say it was it was Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, and, and say, you know, well, he's that mobile kind of quarterback. He wasn't. Teddy, that's mm-hmm. not the game he played at, at Louisville. Yeah. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, you know, are, are breakdown yeah. players. Rodgers goes from design plays and just waits. You know, he just says, I don't like that. You know, he yeah. waits and then he, <laughs> sure. and he starts dancing around and, and it's breakdown stuff, you know. Mm. And the problem with guys like that in general, um, the really good runners and no one's saying, you know, Allen has been surprisingly good as a runner because it wasn't mm. something he did much in college. Um, and uh, Rodgers doesn't run that much. But the problem with the, the quarterbacks who are really good runners is how you incorporate that into the game because no one who relies on simply playing in breakdown can win in the end. This in is the, end. The, yeah. the Michael Vick factor. You right. have to be able to do the, the little things correctly to, right. you know, to get down. You can't always be counting on your ability to, to yeah. do that. And, you know, you we've seen Colin Kaepernick and Lamar Jackson in Greg Roman basically run first offenses. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're basically option, old-fashioned optioned offenses where the, where the quarterback is a runner. And the problem with that, of course, is you're, you're risking injury to the quarterback, which is why everyone who's got a Kyler Murray or, or um, an RG3 mm-hmm. doesn't do RG3. They did it for the first year until he hurt his knee, and then they had to try to that get away the same. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, my, my, my feeling is that this was something that probably they wouldn't have wanted to go public with, mm. but it was a concern. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, in a great situation, what you do is you, you take the player aside and you say, look, you got to sit down with me and we got to go over a film. Mm. Um, you know, that's why we have an offensive quality control guy. That's why you have a quarterback's coach. You know, we all got to sit down and, and, you know, and, and come up with some gameplay that makes your life easier. Mm. We don't want to, we don't want to depend on you beating three guys in pass rush, you know, and then throwing a 60 yard pass downfield to be mm. able to win. You make a great GM, Mike. Just in the last thirty seconds, I was sold. I was sold, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy to. I'm happy to stall the contract on that basis. And by the way, and by the way, can you lend me twenty bucks till pay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could you have a chat, a similar motivational chat with Propo, um, just ahead of the new season at Edge Rush? I feel he needs to be similarly focused in that. Respect. Well, maybe you need to pay him more. Uh, we pay Propo. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two years left on his contract, Mike. I'm not, I'm not budging on that one. Uh, all right, let's uh, back to the mailbag. Stay with the quarterback. What if he cut, what if he cut you off social media? <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, man, I'm in deep trouble. Guy, we know he's the brains of the operation, Mike. Not that it's a high bar. Guy Lewis. Hey, Guy, thanks for this. Uh, staying on the quarterback tip. The best quarterback trade this offseason and the worst. So let's have a look at the, well, we're going to broaden it to, to quarterback movement, right? In terms of starters, because there's a lot of sneaky good backup deals that I know I might, might, might telegraph, uh, uh, might flag rather as well. But so we've got Matt Ryan to the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz went to Washington. Baker went to Carolina. Watson to Cleveland. I'm sure we'll probably lead off with that. Russell Wilson to Denver. The great Drew Locke to Seattle. Am I missing anyone? I think that's the that's the that's the lid, right? That's the, the headline. Lid. Those those are the headlines. Yeah. Um, uh, I wouldn't put it past Frank Reich to be able to resurrect Matt Ryan a bit. 
Oh, I'm although, wow, with although you. it certainly it certainly looked like Ryan's arm was was suffering, you know, last season toward toward the uh, especially toward the end of last season. But obviously, Russell Wilson is the is the big one, and he goes to an offense that has um, you know a good group of receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the pair of running backs, yep. you know, that, that that they like to do a, a decent coordinator if they can, which he's never really had in Seattle. Seattle mm-hmm. always had this strange, no matter whether it was Schottenheimer or Bevel or, you know, it was one of those strange things where it was, we want to run the ball. We don't have an offensive line, but we're going to run it anyway. So you, you run the ball twice. Your running backs are always getting injured, which may or may not have something to do with your offensive line. And then we'll let Russ win it for us in the fourth quarter. All right. Um, you know, and, and Wilson can do that. But, Wil- but Wilson is also a good, pa- a good enough pocket passer. Um, I was doing his games in college. And, you know, and w- Wisconsin was that same kind of team, except Wisconsin's offensive lines generally dominated almost everybody in the Big Ten even in those, in those days. Mike, how much influence is Wilson going to have on the style of offense that Denver plays? Um, my, my suspicion is that he goes, he goes along with the flow um, and sees, sees how it went. And he gives them that extra option of escapability. If he said now last year, he had that, the escapability was gone because of injury. Basically mm-hmm. um, he wasn't able to, to really generate enough <laughs> throwing power on the run uh, to do what he usually does. And, you know, and he's got the same DK, you know, DK and Lockett. He had a big receiver and a fast receiver. Well, now he's got two big receivers Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully a fast receiver. If, if him, um, KJ Hammer, KJ Hammer, (laughs) MC Hammer. Yeah. KJ KJ Hammer, uh, Hamler, um, you know, uh, comes through and Jerry Judy is an afterthought. You know, I was doing, I was doing them last week. That was my AFC West preview. Mm. And and I'm thinking, well, it's, it's, it's Tim, Tim Patrick and Gordon something and, and, mm. and Hamler and, oh yeah. And they have JJ, Jerry yeah. Judy, who yeah, was, yeah. Pro, you know, in arguably the best receiver coming out that year in the draft, you know, people, people were saying, so, you know, he's, he's got that, that functioning and, and, um, and I'm just like, you know, Javante Williams, Melvin yeah. Gordon, Mike yeah. Boone, Dul- Dulcich, the tight end they drafted is, is a downfield kind of, of receiver. Um, mm. You know, I, I like the possibilities. Now, the, the you like him, do you like him in the West then? Do you like him to make the playoffs? Well, that's a tough division. I mean, and that's the quarterback division, which is why I did it the week after I did Kyler Murray's snitty, snitty hissy fit. Um, but they're a pretty. They're not as great a defensive team as people think, but they're a good, still a good defensive team. Um, and the thing I look at is Nathaniel Hackett coached Aaron Rodgers as much as anyone could coach him, you know. Mm. But Wilson is, and you know, if you wanted the best comp for him as a quarterback, it might well be Aaron Rodgers, mm. um, you know. And so he ought to be able. The two of them ought to be able to coexist, mm. you know. Um, in a way where I don't know, I guess Cliff Kingsbury is probably thinking, Kyler, I got a system. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, Come on, Kyler. What, that works against Kansas State. It's not so. It's not so easy to beat the 49ers. You know, we've got to remember the great thing. the great Blake Bortles era of Nathaniel Hackett's uh, career as well. Yeah, uh, okay, see, so I'm, we, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan so far. You know, I, I, it's kind of like show me something else. You know, um, with nice him. Now, the worst we, we like one the I think is Wentz. 
Ooh, and I like okay, okay. I love Carson Wentz. I mean, coming out of college and mm. you know, and and with the Eagles. But I think ever since that injury in Philadelphia, he's not been the same guy. Statistically, last year he was actually a top ten quarterback by most of the measures that people use. But we all know what the problem was. Mm. You know, it's like when the pressure really mounts, when he's you know, and when and when the bodies and the hands are in his face, he he's he occasionally crumbles and you can't do, you can't occasionally crumble. You know, is it a good fit though? Cause he's got a better line in front of him, a good defense. Well, hope, is- hope, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see him do well. He's got some good receivers, yeah. um, you know, and, and um, if Logan Thomas is back healthy, then it's a really good group. Um, Who wins the starting gig in Carolina, Baker or Donald? I think Baker winds up starting unless Matt rules got some kind of love for Darnold. I mean, and it's the same, it's the same old thing. Darnold's potential It's funny how these guys play to exactly what their draft scouting reports said. Darnold is the same quarterback. He was at USC. He's got a tremendous arm. He doesn't see things. Um, he, he makes bad decisions. He, mm-hmm. he tries to throw, you know, throws that he, that he shouldn't be making. Mayfield is, doesn't have that arm. Mayfield has a lot of problems seeing over the line as well. But, uh, you know, I think that offense could work. And I know, I know one of the questions coming up is going to be um, about uh, who, who, who made the playoffs last year and didn't, uh, yeah. won't this year, and who, who didn't last year and, and might, you know, this year. And um, my, my dark, dark horse pick, the one that's going to sound crazy, is Carolina. Wow. I, think, I mean, that, I think, I think is, well, it depends on New Orleans. It depends on New Orleans not living up to in the post Sean Payton era mm. that this first year. So you're bringing a, a few questions together. So let's get, let's get yeah. a plug to those who sent them in because there was that question in terms of, uh, here it is from political football. Uh, which non-playoff teams from last year do you think will make it this year and who drops out? I think a lot of people feel the Steelers might might fall out, although on edge rush, uh, me and Propo, that is out now. Check the vault. Uh, I've got them uh, over seven and a half games. Where that's uh, an episode all about. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's right. Uh, they've eight, never, eight, nine, eight, yeah, nine again eight, is, is, you know. Never gone well, under eight. Under 10, I, I yeah, think the Raiders, I think the Raiders probably don't make the playoffs out. this year. The only um, team from the West, because you mentioned it, how strong it is. I mean, there is a mathematical chance that all four could make it, but three out of the four, do you think is likely? I don't think it's likely because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think cancel each other out. They cancel each other out is, is exactly it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and everyone is kind of figuring the chargers for second place. But the more I look at the chargers, the more I think they didn't do enough to help Justin a bear, um, you know, at that. Um, and the other, the other team that didn't make it, um, the Ravens. Yes, that's a great shout. Yeah, a great shout. Yeah. Although yeah. that's another that's another it, it may not be as good overall as as the AFC West, but it's very well balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those teams are very close to each other. Yeah. I, I think there could be a plexiglass effect with the Bengals who who got mm-hmm. everything right at, toward the end of the season. Um defensively in particular, right? There's a lot yeah. kind of a lot of lightning in a bottle. What about the AFC East? More likely to make the playoffs the Patriots or the Dolphins? Uh, that's a really good one. Um, and it's such, it's such a huge question mark. Help us out as well on what the hell is happening with the Patriots offensively and this whole Patricia. I I think what's going to happen in the end is that Mac Jones is going to make a whole lot more decisions at the line of scrimmage than he did, um, last year. Um, right. Much like Brady. I think what they're going to be doing 
is running. Well, I don't think I've, I've been told that what they're doing is running a more simple offense. Um, the reads for the receivers are less complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, the blocking is a bit less. They're, they're concentrating on getting to the line of scrimmage quickly, which to me says they're giving Mac Jones options. And the options are going to be relatively simple ones for the rest of the team to, to understand because that's what you have to do. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I think one of the big problems with Nikhil Harry was simply that he was in a situation where he had problems adjusting to, oh, I've got to run this route if it's if it's a man if it's man I got to run that route if it's if it's zone I've got to run that route if it's a combo. The complexity to, was too much. The complexity was was more than 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 he could take, mm-hmm. um, and and just play you know relax and play, but a, a couple of players have, have been quoted as saying this, including Trent um, Trent Brown. And I think what will happen is Bill will say, Bill will sort of say, give me a run just to simplify matters, you know, and whoever is on the chart, which right now looks like it'll be Matt Patricia, <laughs> um, will we'll, we'll radio into Matt. Mac Jones, whatever whatever that play is, but he'll mm. he'll come up to the line of scrimmage and he'll probably have the option of changing that. That's a huge you know, amount of responsibility on the shoulders of a sophomore quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, I think he's he's a system kind of guy, you know, mm. and he's played in a, in a relatively advanced pro style system, um, which is what the Patriots are going to run uh, for a long time. And and again, going back to Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury's system is still not, in my mind, fully adjusted to the NFL game. And that's why, you know, everything works worse against better teams. But, mm. you know, but it, but it's kind of running this, this kind of schemes you ran at Texas Tech in the, in the big whatever they are. <laughs> Because <laughs> fifteen is up to fifteen now. Well, whatever. Yeah, they big. You know, <laughs> yeah. college football is crazy. You know, because the Big Ten is fourteen, and the big the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve was eight. You know, and it used I, to be the Big Eight. And now it's the Big Twelve, but it's only eight. And I kind of like it. It's an Abbott Costello sketch waiting to happen. Um, Absolutely. So back to my original question. Yeah. But and you don't have to answer if it's too hot takey. But do you have an instinct or or a position rather on Finns or or Patriots more likely oh. to make the? <laughs> funny if 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 flores if they had, if they if they had been able to bring mcdaniel in as an offensive coordinator under flores i would say dolphins without without a hesitation mm. um I, i'm not they He's skeptical about mike mcdaniel no not, not not really um i mean i think i think as a head coach you never know I mean, sure. that, that's the thing with Belichick assistants, you know, as an offensive mind, I think he's probably going to be great for that team. And, mm. and if, and if Tua, I don't think Tua could have a better shot at becoming a successful, a mm. really successful quarterback than, than he will um, in this system. I think they're also, they play the, as usual, I think they play the Patriots early and late, um, which right. is always, which is always an advantage for them. And those two games uh, will be crucial. I, mm, Right now, I right now I would lean toward the Dolphins. Mm. By the start of the season, I might be saying Patriots, but I'm not. Con- you know, I got to s- I've got to see whether the Patriots' new offense is going to actually work. On work. paper, it's a lot better. Um, I think it's going to be really run first um, mm. and and play action. And their defense 
is really more in flux than people think. They've mm. lost a lot of playmakers in the in, partly in the interest of speed, you know, and and they don't have a replacement for J.C. Jackson, as far as I can see. It, it was fascinating how you broken down the way the offense looks like it'll it'll set up. It'll be intriguing to see him as a result of that. I'm uh, I'm even if it is quite old school ball, run first back to 2007 kind of style. I'm, I'm interested to look at it. Uh, unlike in terms of offensive output the saints and you mentioned them earlier so i'll bring in this question from james cummins who got in touch via twitter thanks for this at the nc show thanks to all of you who did send the questions in despite nat being high on the saints <laughs> but uh, not in the ricky williams sense. not in the ricky williams sense what's mike's opinion new head coach winston isn't fit Ooh. actually i'm not going to load the deck here i'll let you <laughs> kamara almost certainly has a man coming mike thomas whilst back this week hasn't played in 18 months discuss so super quick i'm big on the saints in fact you know what i get into why i'm big on the saints on edge rush so go and check that out but yeah. i'm big on the saints i think they're a playoff side i think there's certainly upside over there their total's eight and a half that was my argument that that's crazy low so i like the saints to have a good season i see them as a playoff team yeah I, I i think they go as far as dennis allen's defense can take them because i i really do think they're going to have some problems offensively um and it's not down to Jameis particularly i think it's down to sean payton not being there you know i'm not i'm not sure but there's continuity um, there isn't there there is continuity but but it was payton who was calling the plays it was payton who was you know, sensing what, and, and they made bad decisions. I mean, Sean Payton had this thing with Taysom Hill, which, which yeah. after a few games became inexplicable why you would, you know, have him at quarterback yeah. for anything, but your gadget plays. Um, but I, I thought, I thought that this, that, that, um, Jameis Winston did well enough in the first half of the year to justify the faith they had put in him. And I would be happy with him coming off injury now, starting if Peyton were still there. I'm mm. I'm more I'm questioning it more without him there. Because and, you think and, we're gonna see erratic coughing up the ball. Yeah, and the line's not as good. Um the, there there's some there's some questions there. Michael Thomas, you know, is or isn't isn't back. If he is back, it makes it makes a huge difference. Mm. Um if Winston's not hundred percent, you know, the options are not overwhelming. And and I think, you know, the question is, will Allen still Allen's defense still be as effective when he's the head coach? Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but you do have to delegate when when you're in charge, unless you're Bill Belichick and you're gonna coach a you know, offense, defense, and head coach. And yourself, team. Yeah. You know? uh, unless uh, you have your two sons doing the defense. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> just feeding the feeding the calls in there. All right, let's just jump back because we, we uh, conspicuously didn't talk when we were listing all of those quarterback moves. Uh, Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. So we should put this very much in context that as Mike and I are recording this, the the ruling has come down, but the appeal process, well, we're still waiting to see. And that's quite a critical part of this, of course, that the way it's teed up now, which changed, I believe it was 2020 that it, it changed, where the NFL and the NFL PA agree on um, the, uh, the investigation or rather the um, assessment of the investigation, the judging of the investigation. And then the NFL has the ability, uh, as indeed does the NFLPA for that matter, to appeal the ruling, right? So the NFL could appeal what's happened here. Yeah. And so Judge Sue Robinson, who has worked with the NFL um, as a corporate lawyer um, after she after she um, left left her judgeship in Delaware, 
Um, and she's mostly a corporate lawyer because that's what Delaware exists for. Um, it's, corporate, <laughs> it's the corp, corporate um, headquarters of every. Um, so she ruled. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she ruled for a six day suspension, um, six game suspension, six six game suspension, and that was based on her reading of four cases, basically. And there's an interesting there's an interesting subtext here in that she said that it was mitigated, although she said it was egregious, his conduct. She said it was mitigated by the fact that it wasn't violent sexual assault, although most of us believe that sexual assault is is inherently by, is violent, by yeah. definition, by definition. Yeah, inherent, inherently is a better word yeah um inherently violent um it's an expression of of violent power control and violent and so so that that was kind of um of iffy and the nfl's own investigation where i think they interviewed 12 of the 24 people um who have filed who filed suits it was criticized by those wi- those women themselves as, as being kind of aggressively um defensive so anyway putting that aside mm. what happens now the nfl players association has accepted the ruling they're not going to appeal the nfl can appeal and they appeal to roger goodell Right, <laughs> which is right. the weirdest thing in the world because it's yeah. Roger Goodell appealing to Roger Goodell. So nothing has really changed. The only thing that's changed is that he he can only address the punishment. He can't bring in new evidence. He has to simply look at her decision based on the terms that she decided to make the decision on and decide whether six games is enough punishment or too much or too little. And what's the point of the judge? And the judging, if he can call it how he wants it, ultimately. Yeah, well, that you might you might well ask that, but you know everybody's got an agenda. Um, the players' association's agenda is is to help their players get paid, stay on the field, basically for the most part. And Roger Goodell's agenda is generally the court of public opinion. Yes, which which we've seen in the past, and this has been my big complaint: is that the NFL should not exist as an alternative universe, judicial universe. Um, When the judicial system fails or when the judicial judicial system succeeds, it is not for the NFL to judge. And it's not for the people like me and you and everybody else on Twitter um, really to decide. I thought that the I thought that the um, case in Houston was to put it gently, badly handled. And Rusty Harden's defense there was basically you're innocent till proven guilty, which doesn't mean that the police can't investigate you as if you were guilty because they have to Mm -hmm. basically looking for evidence. But in this case where it's basically a he said, she said situation, what he did was turn 24 complaints into 24 separate. He said, she says in which there's no there's no forensic evidence Mm to decide who's right or wrong. So therefore, because of the presumption of innocence, he has to be innocent. Mm. Um, and which in, negates the, the the significant weight of 25. Exactly. That, I mean, and it was a good strategy. It was a good yeah. strategy and it worked. The, 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 the DA, you know, couldn't get a grand jury to indict um, mm. on that on that basis, basically. Mm. Um, now, I think another DA might well have got a grand jury to indict and then you might have seen a whole different result in the trial but that's that's the way it went and in that sense i think roger goodell has far too much power here 
But yeah. public opinion is not going to be satisfied with the six games. No, so this is this where it gets fascinating because because just to follow up on the question I asked, well, what's the point if Goodell can call whatever punishment and suspension he wants? I guess that's when the NFLPA and, and that relationship really comes into play here. That if he turns around and says, right, well, let's take him out for the season, the NFL, NFLPA are going to really kick off there. And yeah. Goodell's got to weigh up those backwards. Yeah, because what the NFL asked for, they was a... a a one season suspension, yeah. I think, or twelve game suspension. Twelve game suspension was what they they had yeah. asked for, yeah. and they might well, Goodell might well go back to that and maybe cut it to eight. Um, but I think everybody went in looking at that system, and that's why the Browns went in expecting, I think, that Watson would in the end get eight games or possibly less for mm-hmm. this. And the other problem is, of course, the inconsistency of the NFL's approach. Um, Calvin Ridley is suspended for a year because he bet on his team in a parlay bet um, with gamblers. And yes, it's against the rules, but, but it's a year suspension. Tom Brady was suspended uh, for four games. The team was fined. Bill Belichick was fined, even though the investigation didn't connect either of them to, to what went on. Well, the one I was talking to Propo about on Edge Rush was, do you remember Michael Hendricks? Insider trading was seven, was more, certainly more games than Sean Watts of insider trading. Yeah. I mean, absurd but wouldn't the nfl turn around and say well that was that's legacy that's retrospectively we've got a different system now for this possibly um and they you know what they're what they're depending on i think is that they have a they have a clause in the player contracts which is basically in our in our terms in british terms is to bringing the league into disrepute or bringing the game into disrepute and that's what they're that's what the basis of all this stuff is Roger Goodell is not out there to provide quote unquote justice for 24 women. He's there to protect the shield, which exists to protect things. Anyway, a shield protects things. So how you can protect a shield is beyond, <laughs> is beyond me. It's like a guy standing in front of his shield. So the shield doesn't get dented by the arrows that come in. Um, that's far too deep for a Tuesday morning. Yeah. But, but that's, so that's, that's where that's going to wind up. And, and I think in the end, Everything I think is wrong with with trying to second guess the NFL executives. But in the end, I think the league will probably uphold Judge Sue Robinson because that is in the long term is in their best interest Mm. to to show that the system is not is not not biased. She made the she made the call. She's independent. Yeah, will 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 abide by that. And it's good for business for them because, as was evidenced, I woke up this morning on social media, and uh, one of the more depressing things I've seen recently was a picture of Deshaun Watson being mobbed by Browns fans of all yeah. ages to get yeah. everything signed. And you think, yeah, that, wow. it does kind of put you, put you off. And, you know, now 23 of the 24 women have now settled suits with Watson. Yeah. Civil suits. So in one sense, they've received some form of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, Watson wouldn't settle them early because that would have been in, in a kind of de facto admission. Yes. Of guilt. So he wouldn't settle them before the, um, before the criminal charges were, were settled, but they, they were only asking at the beginning, for I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars each, mm. which is not the kind of you know people say oh this is just you know women trying to a money cash grab, in yeah. on a celebrity that's not that doesn't suggest a money grab you know because mm. um, I remember the figure was the total figure at that point was like two million two or something mm. like that which for the for the whole the whole group um, so that so so there is that and and there's also the fact that um, those first six games were presumably Jacoby Brissett 
is the quarterback since mm-hmm. they don't have to go out and get Jimmy G now um, <laughs> is um, they could come out of that quite easily four and two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're own they're four, four of the six games were at home. Um, they're away to the Panthers and the Falcons, mm-hmm. which are both winnable, winnable games. Uh, certainly. And the first one of course is the Baker Mayfield reunion game, which, which ought to be interesting. And then, you know, they've got the Steelers, the Rams in new England, um, at home and the Jets. Um, so you've got to figure that they can win four of those six, um, you know, and because they're a loaded team. I mean, mm. you know, on paper with Watson, at quarterback, Cleveland are probably the best team in the division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it is on that basis entirely plausible they could have a deep playoff run. And then we get into, God, really interesting territory when, Deshaun Watson's quarterbacking the Browns in the Super Bowl. I mean, we talked a bit about this on Edge Rush, the conflict that a number of Browns fans must be facing, right? And and it's something that isn't unique to Deshaun Watson by any stretch. And I I, I was look, looking into or talking about the the rehabilitation of Mike Vick, right? And and I know it's not simple to compare transgressions, but Vick was vilified. It transcended the NFL as well. You know, it was animal cruelty. He was America's public enemy number one, right? And yeah, but, but, but there's a difference. I mean, and the big, the obvious difference is Mike Vick went to prison. Yes. So he served his prison time. And, and you said, you mentioned the word rehabilitation. Mm. You know, I mean, that's what the whole thing is supposed to be about. You know, you, you do your, your time and then you come out and you're, you're back in the world. And, you know, should you be punished for the rest of your life? Um, you know, I said this about the Ray Rice thing, and, and I think it was a little bit controversial at the time when I said it. But with Ray Rice, the legal pro- it was the legal process that didn't send him to jail. Mm. The legal process in Maryland decided the best thing for them was to go put them into counseling put him on probation and for the good of the family, you know, try, try to keep that together. And on the surface, at least it has worked. There have been no sex. There have been no domestic assault cases with Ray Rice. They're married and still married, uh, presumably, but he hasn't worked a day Mm. in football Mm. since, since that time, you know, and that's why, that's why I'm, I'm, I, my instinct is to be hypercritical of this whole thing, but you know, and because Deshaun Watson is is wealthy and could afford the most high profile lawyer in Houston, was Vic presumably uh, was wealthy and afforded the most yeah, high but, profile lawyer. Yeah, but, but, but the evidence, the evidence was there. Yeah. It was on video, which it, the video is what that's what killed Ray Rice. You know, yeah. um, the fact that it was that he had had his suspension, then people saw the video, and it was so horrible. That you could say, yeah, that guy, you know, even though his wife hit him first, you know, you don't you can't punch your wife. You can't punch your wife when you're, you know, a highly fit. It's it's wrong. You so know, playing you devil's got- advocate for a moment in terms of Watson, what what is he supposed to do if he's not criminally charged? If his lawyers? No, don't- exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm I mean, you live and die with the criminal system in that yeah. in that sense. So if 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 Houston, if the criminal system in Houston can't do any better than what they did, um, and if the NFL is going to ignore, say, the Texans providing him with 
non-disclosure agreements and, and, and rooms to be massaged in and things like that. Mm. You know, you don't provide a guy with a non-disclosure agreement unless you think there's a potential problem sure. somewhere sure. down the line. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but the NFL's let that pass as well. I'd, I'd be more interested in seeing something done about that than, than anything else. All right. We'll go to one more uh, question and then uh, we're going to okay. wrap uh because time is against us remembering what are the all-time greats and raising a glass from a different sport, but somebody so important, I know, to your yeah. formative years. But before we get into that, Claire Cooper asks, how does a fan get a birthday shout-out asking for a friend? <laughs> Happy birthday, friend. <laughs> oh, come on. We can do better than that, Mike. Happy birthday, Claire Cooper. Have a great one. Enjoy. Yeah. I wait, hey, I you, wait you had one question from some guy who asked if New Haven pizza was mm. just reheated New York pizza. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. did. Uh, we're going to reheat you down in down in the down in the fires of Hades with mozzarella and tomato sauce and white or white clam sauce all, all over you and see how you like that. New oh, York pizza. New York uh, pizza. Oh my God. You never you want to, you never want to do that. I'm just trying to find uh, who, who was it that said it. I'm just scrolling through. This is what I'm talking about, Mike. There are so many questions. Yeah, for Mike. Send, my, send, here we go. Here we go. It's from a UK Rays fan. Oh. Rays fan, I am Mike. Uh, yeah, don't hold that again. That's two strikes. Or, uh, is <laughs> New Haven pizza just New York style pizza, which has been left to burn too long in the oven was the question. Uh, harsh yeah. but fair. One more yeah. from uh, Top Trevor. Go eat a calzone, eh? Top Trevor asks, uh, Lamar Jackson negotiating a contract without an agent seems very naive. How difficult can it be without someone representing you? I wonder, actually, I get the argument, Trevor, for sure. It's a good one. But I wonder whether the flip side of that is it is quite maverick. It is for what you lose having, as you pointed out earlier, the leverage that your agent who has X amount of other players and talent on his books yeah. can, uh, can utilize what you lose, obviously from having somebody else in the room doing the dirty work. I don't know. The element of looking somebody dead in the eye, the left field, the fact that owners or GMs aren't used to negotiating in this way. Typically it's unorthodox. I wonder whether it's a push. What do you think? Yeah, what, what you lose is the ability to distance yourself from the arguments your agent and the and the general manager are making about whether or not you're good or mm. good enough to get that much money. Richard Sherman did it um, just mm. a couple of years ago. He was he was his own agent, um, and I think he did okay with with, with what he did. Um, did Odell do it when he negotiated his contract in Bitcoin? Because <laughs> he should fire yeah. himself. Now that it? yeah, you might might have well done it in pounds. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I think it's shows what he's the message he's sending is that he wants to be with the team and, and you know yeah. he, he likes what's going on which he should because they built their offense around him as i was saying earlier on and they they, they want to come to a fair deal and and to be honest given where the salaries are quarterback wise he's got to get a fair deal mm. in there you know and and by leaving it by leaving it now you know he loses the he loses the security of getting a big contract before he proves he's fully healthy and back to being Lamar Jackson. That's what an agent would be trying to get done for him right mm. now. But what he gains, hopefully, is is some some lead, some slack from the Ravens, who you know, if he especially if he plays well this season, you know, then then give him the reward he deserves. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at these guys getting money. He's been the league MVP. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like also, throw the coin. Also get Kyler's agent, maybe, uh, in the room. <laughs> so maybe that, that'd work. Uh, okay, let's wrap on Mike. Uh, 
by raising a glass to one of the greats, as you and I often say. Bill Russell, as the New York Times led with, the man who transformed pro basketball, the single most devastating force in the history of the game, Red Auerbach, his coach, said, one of the all-time greats, irrespective of sport, right? One of the all-time greats. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes him so, so special because as if winning two NCAA championships in a row, um, a 60-game winning streak in college, winning the Olympic gold medal in 56, um, and then going into the NBA as MVP of the playoffs his rookie year. Um, he won 11 championships in his 13 years. He would have won 12 probably, but he sprained his ankle against the Hawks in his second year, and the Hawks won in six. Every game decided by four points or less. Um, he, he changed pro basketball in the sense that he was a defensive mastermind, um, six foot 10, a high jumper in 56. He, he tied with Charlie Dumas in the high jump at the West coast relays when he was still in college, Charlie Dumas won the Olympic gold medal that year in, <laughs> wow. in Melbourne. He did 2.06. Um, he also was the kind of player who plays to make his teammates better. When he got to the Celtics, he didn't play right away. He had a little time. He scouted the team, literally scouted them to find out what they were doing. So how he could fit in and help them, you know, make the, he invented Celtic, the new Celtic basketball. They were a good team before him, but afterwards he went to Bob Cousy, who was the league's biggest star. And he said, look, when, when, when the shot's taken and you see which side it's going to go to a spot at the top of the key on that side and I'll get you the ball. So he knew where his outlet was going to be. So he'd come down with the ball and whip it. Out. Mm. And the Celtics, that was the Celtic fast break. Mm. He was a player coach of the Celtics for three years, the first black coach in the NBA. Um, the Celtics started the first all-black lineup in the NBA um, while, while he was there. Um, he won two championships in those three years. And he went on to a career as a broadcaster fairly successfully and then not um, as a coach fairly successfully. And then not, you get the feeling he kind of lost interest. He, he was fed up with players who wouldn't kind of give the game, the kind of attention he and his Celtic teammates have. He lived through incredible racism in Boston, Boston mm. in his first years and maintained huge dignity. Um, he hesitated to come back to Boston for a lot of years saying that he played for the Celtics, not for the city of Boston mm. and his Celtic teammates, you know, and he never gave autographs for a long, long time. I asked him for an autograph. It's the first person I think I ever asked for an autograph. I was in Montreal working in the press area at the forum and, and the Olympic finals were on. He was doing it for ABC. And I went up and said, Mr. Russell, you know, could, could I have you? He says, sorry, son, you know, I, I don't give autographs. But, it's nice to, he shook my hand mm. and said, nice to meet you. And, and I just thought, okay, you know, that, that's fine. Um, Bob Cousy wrote in a memoir a few years ago that, you know, he, after reading Russell's memoirs and Russell's books are really good. Um, after reading Rus one of Russell's memoirs about what happened to him in Boston, he regretted that he couldn't have done more to help him. You know, he said they were friendly, they were teammates, but they were never close partly because he intimidated, he, Cousy at least, and he, he said teammates as well, because, but he wasn't like Michael Jordan, you know, you've got to do this, you've got mm -hmm. to do that. You know, Kobe Bryant, why aren't you doing this? Why? He never, he never held the players, his teammates out to dry. You know, mm -hmm. he, he made suggestions. He, he was, and everyone knew he was playing for the good of the team. His matchups with Wilt Chamberlain were legendary, probably the greatest one-on-one -on -one matchup in team sports in America, Russell. And he got the best of Will every year but one. Um, 
Um, and he was the winner. He was the ultimate winner. Everything you think about in a team sport, you know, what's the most important thing? Not how many points you score, how many yards you gain, how many touchdowns you throw for. What's the most important thing is how much you win. And in basketball, one guy can have a bigger effect on that than almost anybody. A goalie in ice hockey, maybe. Quarterbacks, yes. And I know that we we downgrade nowadays. I'm contemptuous sometimes of people who point to quarterback wins. But when winning becomes a habit, when you win 11 times in 13 years, you know, you got to give it some, some, so Bill Russell, civil rights leader, look at the photograph of him and Jim Brown and, and Kareem um, with Muhammad Ali when they had a big summit in Cleveland to offer Ali their support. You know, he was marching with Dr. King. Um, the King family put up this wonderful tweet about him. He was, he was, he demanded to be treated like a man and he treated people like men. You know, I, I think it was a very fair equation. And what a smart, great athlete um, and person, you know, and the weirdest, the greatest laugh of all time. <laughs> he had this amazing cackle of a laugh. Oh, great. Uh, if, I could, uh, if I could love him anymore after that. Uh, fitting tribute. Uh, what a way to wrap that. And what a way to wrap the show. Brilliant. Uh, the great Bill Russell, uh, who died aged 88, raising a glass to him uh, and raising a glass to brilliant work from you, Iron Mike. You mentioned a couple of times your column, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE yeah. is where you get uh, the startings and profilings of the great man. And of course, as we've been talking about each and every Monday throughout the season on this show, me and the big man looking back at the weekend's action, your review show right here on the NC show. Nat and Mike every week, Mondays all through the season. So I look forward to getting into that big man. Look after yourself. Great to yeah. catch up. You too. Have a good week. Take care, bro. Brilliant stuff from him. We will be back very soon. Next up, well, we're chatting to Ollie Connolly. Ben Isaac's in the house as well. Have you checked out our latest edge rush? Me and Propo picking our three favorite team totals for the season in terms of future bets. FFS rolling along nicely with James Sandrini. Get your fantasy edge on. As I mentioned, right at the top of the show, our listener league, the Nat Coombs show, uh, over on DraftKings. Lots of you already getting involved with that. It's a weekly daily fantasy, so you can pick a new team every week. All kinds of prizes to be won, including a ticket giveaway for Broncos Jags at Wembley later on this year. And the only way you can win those tickets is if you're in our listener league. So head on over to draftkings.co.uk forward slash the Nat Coombs show. We've put the link in the show notes. It's also pinned on our Twitter feed as well. See website for details, 18 plus only be gambleaware.org. And we're going to be back very soon with more goodness. So hope you enjoy gang. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.